The following Taisho by Shinge Roshi, Roko Sheri Shayat, was recorded at the Zen Center of Syracuse Hoenji in Syracuse, New York. These recordings are offered for free. We welcome your financial support. To contribute and for further information, please visit www.zencenterofsyracuse.org. Thank you. Good morning. We had many flowers that were donated for the Buddha's birthday, and we had such a beautiful altar for the baby Buddha. And I know that most of you bathed the baby Buddha with ambrosial nectar, and in doing so, felt such gratitude for the teachings of our lives and also the Tibetan practitioners who meet here on Saturdays almost always bring flowers and these flowers are an expression of the incomparable gift of this Dharma and we must honor them So even though some of them may not be as fresh as they were on April 8th, we do our best to bring the ones that still have vitality to our altar and those that were donated by the Tibetan practitioners to honor them to bring them to our altar. This is an expression of our practice. Not to ignore the gifts we receive. Just as in traditional Buddhist practice, we are walking with begging bowls to receive whatever may be given and without a preferential mind, gratefully accepting. Rice, okay. Sausage, okay. Okay? Very grateful. This moment, we may have some ideas about the way we'd prefer it to be. Anybody? And that's so crazy when you really think about it. And yet we automatically have this monologue going on. This, of course, is the source of dukkha. I've been focusing a lot on this in my talks recently at Daibosatsu and with various people. This first noble truth that was taught by the Buddha Yes, there is dukkha. Not in the misapprehension or mistranslation that you often read, life is suffering. No. When you see that in a book, cross it out, please. 
As David Brazier put it in his book, The Feeling Buddha, life is life. At any one moment in your life, you may have decided that something shouldn't be there. Well, that's what causes dukkha. It's not the thing that you have identified as shouldn't be a part of my life that is the source of dukkha. It's your decision that you want to get rid of it and make it better. That's the source of dukkha. Dukkha can be translated in many ways. Affliction is one good translation. Dis-ease is another. You're not at ease in your own being, right? A sense of something lacking. I should be better than dot, dot, dot. A kind of inculcated sense of self uh, debasement. Many, many years of being told you're not good enough, you finally believe it, and that's the self you think is the true self. Right? This is not your true self. When we really look at the sources of dukkha, we find out that there is this false self we have constructed based on all manner of difficult circumstances, we may say our karmic baggage. And the impulse is always to blame the baggage. You don't have to do that. That just perpetuates the suffering. Master Rinzai says over and over again, it is urgent to have genuine insight and allied with this, integrally related to this, he says over and over again, what stands in your way? A lack of self-confidence. This can be played out in any number of ways. I'm not good enough. I'll never awaken. I don't deserve this. I can't do this. You know, every time you say, I'm not feeling well enough to go to the zendo, this is a way of deepening your lack of self-confidence. Confidence in what, you have to ask, right? What is this? Confidence in what? What self? The self that says, I'm not good enough? The self that says, I don't want to? To have confidence with faith, in other words. To have faith in your, we just chanted, Sentient beings are primarily all Buddhas. Fundamentally, all Buddhas. Who here is not a sentient being? Raise your hand. Well, that means you have what it takes to awaken to genuine insight. And to have confidence in this instead of this misplaced confidence in the stories 
you've concocted about who you are, the stories you've received from others, they're just a fiction. Let them go. The big story is, well, I can't do such and such because of my such and such. You can fill in the blanks. Come on. How many more days do you have? Some young people think, oh, oh, you know, 90 more years probably. We never know. So many people recently have been ill, myself included. And whether we've had the flu or some respiratory disease or some kind of bronchitis and sinusitis and thisitis and thatitis, whatever, so what? This is really an important question. So what? What? What does it bring us to? We can say, so what to your complaining? That's one good thing. But so what? What is it? What are we learning? When we become quite ill and we realize, oh yeah, it is true. I too will depart this body sometime, probably soon. Maybe not tomorrow, but probably in the next 30 years for me. Oh, can you just imagine 30 years? <laughs> what was I going to talk about? I don't know. I don't think I'll say another word. It doesn't matter. What matters is to really feel this is it. There is no next. It's so easy to get caught up, isn't it, in what we feel we would like to re-examine and rehash and you know, rewind. And to get caught up in what we think we have to do and have to accomplish and how we should be in order to gain whatever we feel it is we need to gain. But it's right here, right now. We have to be alive to this. Otherwise, flowers are just flowers. Something we don't even notice. Breath. Taking for granted. When we sit in Zazen, we're all very aware of how the mind tends to wander how easily we kind of space out, take a little nap, get caught up in all kinds of plans. To hear that bird, it's never before. This moment, never before, never again.
What is it to be genuine after all? Rinzai speaks of genuine insight. To have this genuine, authentic now being. Not what do I have to do? I am. This is. When we open to this now being, there is no gap between self and other. I and all beings together. As Shakyamuni Buddha said upon his awakening, I and all beings together. This genuine insight when we are genuine, truly as we are, not as we think we should be, but as we are, and not getting stuck in some kind of false awareness, false self of, oh, I'm such and such. The moment you have an objectivity to self-nature, then it is no longer no nature. Then it becomes false. Keep this in mind. Self-nature is no nature. And we have really gone beyond foolish talk. As you are, it doesn't mean, okay, my problems... I'll just continue to encourage them to be in everyone's way. No, obviously not. See them for what they are. See what they manifest from. This sense of affliction, this sense of inner lack, many, many psychological issues. No one gets to this point without them, whether you're 22 or 82. But see through them. Don't be led around by the ring in your nose. From time to time, I've read passages from this book by a Tibetan teacher, Sigar Kungtrol Rinpoche, It's called Light Comes Through. Buddhist teachings on awakening to our natural intelligence. This natural intelligence is exactly what Rinzai is talking about by genuine insight. It doesn't mean the intellectual acquisition of various kinds of facts about this and that. One of the ways in which our sense of lack, inner lack, manifests, as you know very well, is through a kind of uh, constant thirst, constant craving for something that you may feel will complete you. Well, that may be uh, another human being. Uh, So many relationships are doomed by that assumption. I need somebody. I need somebody to make me feel better. I need somebody whose positive aspects are going to complement my 
negative aspects, and then, of course, things fall apart because, you know, it doesn't exactly stay that way. Relationships so often are based on mutual neuroses, eh? It's kind of an unspoken thing. You do this for me, I'll do this for you. Why aren't you doing this for me? So this craving, very often, this thirst for completion, as a response to dukkha in relationships, and of course you all know other aspects, right? I have to have such and such cigarettes, right? I have to smoke, I have to smoke, I have to smoke. I have to smoke, I have to smoke, I have to smoke, I have to smoke. (laughs) This is totally, totally, even the way you feel this in the words, right? Totally enslavement. But we give ourselves over to this enslavement again and again and again. It could be someone with ice cream. Yum, yum. (laughs) Here we are between Gannon's and whatever the other place is called. Perfect location. And now it's spring, ice cream everywhere. Before and after every meal. Not to mention things like alcohol, marijuana, heroin. Now it's uh, Adderall. Oh, big one. Gotta find out what's up on Facebook. (laughs) Everyone, to one degree or another, is addicted out of this basic dukkha. Games. There's another one. Gotta have those games. Anything to avoid being present to just as it is. So getting back to... uh, He tells this little story. Everything in samsara... Everybody understands samsara? You're living it. Has a downside. Some people really understand this. Once, when I went to Tibet... I brought a uniquely beautiful and rare statue with me. An old monk from my monastery was admiring it, and I felt inspired to offer it to him. When I did, he jumped back, literally three feet. He started politely refusing and gesturing, no, no, no. He could appreciate the attributes of the statue. He could rejoice that I had it, but in terms of keeping it, He just didn't want the trouble that he saw came with owning it. We can't imagine this. Then he says, we need to let the suffering of attachment touch us rather than getting carried away by its desires. Now, this is a very helpful statement, isn't it? So when you feel you want something very badly, I have to have. Just enter into that have-to-have suffering. Instead of trying to quell the suffering by getting what you think you have to have, dwell in the suffering. 
Really explore that feeling I have to have. Explore I. Explore have. Explore to. Explore have. This is a wonderful practice all by itself. So, we need to let the suffering of attachment touch us rather than getting carried away by its desires. Getting carried away means being put in jail by whatever the addiction or craving or thirst or whatever you want to call it is. Could be for sex, could be for love, could be for information. And then he says, in this way, the wisdom that understands the suffering of attachment can guide us in the right direction. So to be willing to suffer rather than quell temporarily that suffering by filling that desire, fulfilling that desire, to be willing. Then we have this wisdom, understanding the suffering of attachment, guiding us in the right direction. In another uh, paragraph, he says, Imagine craving absolutely nothing from the world. It may really seem unimaginable to us, but just as with athletes, you have to imagine the play. You have to imagine the ball going where you need it to go, right? How many of you have played something like tennis or golf or baseball, soccer, so, yeah, many people. So many, uh, so we hear this, okay? Professional athletes learn to do this with the mind, to see the eventual positive placement. And we have to do the same. This is imagine craving absolutely nothing from the world. Our imagination is very useful. Normally, we use it in all kinds of very unuseful ways. You know, we have, we fantasize. And the fantasy is always based around this little kind of, I need. If you really think about it, all your fantasies are based on this, I'm not good enough, I crave this, I crave that. You can see it. Do a different kind of imagining. Very powerful tool. Imagination as fantasy is simply another form of craving. Imagination as using this ability of mind to aspire to this point of no craving. Very different. Imagine, he says also here, imagine cutting the invisible strings that so painfully bind us. What would that be like? So here again, just like the athlete who is seeing where the ball should go, imagine cutting the strings of what you see is binding you. You can do this. This is your powerful mind. This is your mind of insight, which you are cultivating through Zazen. This power grows. Trust this power. 
confidence in this power. Imagine the freedoms that come from the ability to enjoy things without having to acquire them, own them, possess them. You can do this with ice cream and cigarettes. Just imagine without having to put it in your mouth. Oh, beautiful ice cream. So pretty. Lots of people are gathering to eat this ice cream. I don't have to. Many, many cigarettes. Oh, a whole world full of cigarettes. Wherever you go, there are cigarettes. Oh, beautiful cigarettes. Beautiful smoke. (laughs) But I don't have to put it in my mouth. No need. Same thing, heroin. No need. Okay? Do not have to be possessing them, therefore do not have to be possessed by them. So we must practice this little by little, okay? Turning off the computer, turning off the cell phone, turning off the email. But then nobody can dot, dot, dot. Yeah, it's probably a good thing. Sometimes I don't look at email. Three days go by, and then somebody's like, how come you didn't answer? You didn't respond. You didn't. I'm still waiting to hear. This is really, you know, it's just another manifestation of this addiction. So whatever we can do personally to sever, to cut through addiction from our end can be very helpful. Very helpful for others, too. Even though they may ang- become angry. And, yeah, I need your answer right now. No, you don't. Right now, you need to be right now. Try, he says, to envision a relationship based on acceptance and genuine care rather than expectation. This is a free relationship, right? Free of that neurotic component. And this is our sangha relationship. This is our truly beautiful sangha relation become complete based on acceptance and genuine care. You know, everybody who comes here has something wrong with him or her. You know that, right? Yeah, everybody. There isn't a single person who enters this doorway without some ridiculous <laughs> nonsense. So what we do, we envision a relationship based on acceptance and genuine care rather than expectation. This is my true, true hope for all of us especially residents, true, true hope. Everybody who comes has deep wounds, all right? How do we express our genuine acceptance and care? And then he says, imagine feeling completely satisfied and content with your life just as it is. Who wouldn't want this? So if we can see all of our wants, all of our cravings as 
a kind of uh, detour, right? Detour. It takes us away from this complete satisfaction and contentment with life as it is, which means right here, right now, every one of us can make this turn. The phenomenal world, he says, is much more fascinating and juicy when we stop grasping, wanting, craving. Of course, there's no grasping, wanting, and craving without a sense of a separate self. Being with so many locks, with so many needs. To see that being as a false construct, put it aside. Why is the phenomenal world, that means everything right here, right now, so much more fascinating and juicy when we stop grasping and craving because the mind is present, the senses wide open, and the conceptual mind relaxed. We make tremendous space in our minds when we let go of this can't live without it. Desperation. So, there's one more passage I just want to end with. During difficult times, say, times of illness, times of loss, we often fail to recognize our wisdom potential because we tend to focus on our pain. But you know, when you've been sitting for a long time, you realize that your pain or your illness or your loss is exactly where the wisdom potential is manifesting, right? When we're focusing on our pain at these times, we may even feel that faith is not a possibility for us, that it is something that people either have or don't, not something we can cultivate. But our instinctual longing to experience something beyond pain is nothing other than the call of our Buddha potential, the natural intelligence itself. So just like suffering, when yes, you just say okay to the suffering rather than trying to fill that uh, perceived lack with whatever the thing is that you are addicted to. This longing to experience something beyond pain. Instead of rushing to dull the pain, which is what we typically do, either by calling somebody and complaining on the phone or having something to eat or drink that we know is not going to be very healthy for us or whatever it is. To feel that instinctual longing just as it is. Is nothing other than the call of our Buddha potential. It is important to recognize this longing and develop some trust in it. This is confidence. 
true self-confidence. He says, it is light coming through. When we open the shutters on our windows, light streams through, illuminating and beautifying the whole room. The plants in the room always move toward the light. This natural movement toward light brings out our own clarity and strength. So we need to learn to trust it more and more. Everything in your life right now is an opportunity to learn this trust. I think often we think of faith as something instead of feeling bad about whatever it is we don't have or have decided we lack. But right in the midst of dukkha itself is this potentiality to awaken to this Buddha mind. <laughs> 